0: I think we lack a deep understanding of sex and sexuality that doesn't just draw on morality and calls for justice, important those, those can be, but draws on who we are, on a profound understanding of human nature and the way in which eros, erotic love, goes to the heart of that. This is a long-standing problem in the West, particularly felt by churches in their discussion of sexuality. I think the lack of a foundational understanding of eros is one of the reasons this debate never ends. Though I'm prompted in particular right now to think about this because of remarks made by Rowan Williams, the former Archbishop of Canterbury, on the rhetoric that has been surrounding the war in Ukraine, particularly the religious rhetoric, which has put Western attitudes towards sexuality center stage. As Rome Williams put it, people who don't live in the Western world of Europe and America in particular can be suspicious of the accommodations, as he put it, that Western Christians make, especially with changes in sexual morality. Now, Rome Williams is quite clear in condemning the war. He says absolutely nothing condones the slaughter of innocents, and those who are perpetrating the slaughter, he said, are putting their very souls at risk. And yet, It is another moment in which to address this question again, because something's being missed here. Something is lacking, something which is rich and tremendous. Liberalism very often puts to one side the metaphysical question about the role of erotic love in our lives in favour of allowing the individual freedom to pursue sexual love as they see fit within certain limits but the problem is that in order to grow in erotic love we need an understanding for what these feelings are really about where this longing is directed and if the longing is just left to itself cut off from perceptions about its deeper goals then we are left in a world in which everything can just be consumed only half policed by really moral guidelines that are ignorant as to what they're trying to direct. Now Dante should have something to say about this question. He is the author of one of the richest and greatest explorations in Western Christianity of erotic love. It's the ...beating pulse that runs right through Dante's journey to God. It's the energy that enables him to reach for God. And indeed is the energy with which God reaches down to him as well. And indeed he does have a tremendous amount to say about Eros. Key is that he doesn't offer a teaching. He knows that Eros is dynamic and transformative too. It plays differently in different moments of our lives and so can't be rule-bound. Rules which may work in one moment will thwart it in another and this is why morality literally wastes the erotic lives of countless Christians who try to follow the rules but fail to understand how love is dynamic in their lives. We need to move on from this, the wastes of the moral law, and Dante helps us do that because he offers living encounters between people, he offers images that can guide us, and he reflects on his own experience so that and then. An understanding of Eros becomes possible from within so that we can learn to ride its energy, energy chart its ways, reach for its deepest goals. It's not to say this isn't a serious matter, quite the opposite. It's profoundly serious. Nothing less than our life with God is at stake. So, what does Dante have to say? he is like all mystics, actually, who know that Eros is central. And in fact, another way of putting the problem that churches have, in my view, is that they lack a knowledge of this mystical journey. They see sex as something to be controlled, not something to be understood. It's about ordering this world rather than the transport to the next world, which is also here. This is the depth of human sexuality and human nature to which Eros can reach when properly understood. It is the longing of God within us as much as it's our longing for God. It's the joy of God within us as much as it's our desire to enjoy divine life. It's essential to our nature when it's discerned and so can fully flourish and reach its goal. It's why sex and spiritual questing are connected in the mystical tradition, but also perversely, so horribly come together with the abuse scandals in the church, when power is exploited and sex is not understood often just because it's become so taboo. And so people not only become trapped trying to police their sexual desire, but can use their sexual desire for the purposes of exploitation. That's the shadow side of the church's failure to understand erotic love. And in my view, it's why abuse will continue. Rules won't contain it because eros escapes the rules, both in terms of our ascending to the heavens, but also in terms of risking our own souls. So how does Dante see it? What does he offer? Well, he knows that Eros is about our longing for God. He understands this as a perception that goes all the way back to Plato, Plato put Eros at the heart of his philosophy. It's been remarked that it could be called Erosophy because Plato understood that Eros is our desire for what's good, beautiful and true and that in order to be in touch, be joined, participate with that which is truly good, beautiful and true, we need to discern the mistakes we make on the way as that longing for what's good, beautiful and true, awakens in us, in our early love lives. And so the energy can be directed into a more and more intimate, exposing, but also expansive and far-reaching journey, powered by love. Erotic love is about finding, finding the object that truly satisfies all that longing, and brings the fullness of life, not just to the one lover, but to all lovers who can know themselves with others, enjoying that lovely life. So this is the role of lovers in the Divine Comedy. And it's often in terms of what happens to the excessiveness of the desire we call eros that determines... Whether they find gold or whether that excessiveness actually traps them. So, for example, Dante famously early encounters the figure of Francesca in one of the upper circles of hell. And she has failed to understand how the excessiveness of her love for Paolo should have propelled her through the love that she felt for this man towards the love of God. Conversely, in the heavens, in the paradise, Dante meets another lover, Junitza, who might be called promiscuous by a moral understanding of love. She had four husbands, was a well-known lover in life, and yet she is in paradise because, unlike Francesca, in the midst of the turbulence of her love life, she realised that this excessiveness was pointing towards more than just another lover, but was leading her towards God. And so that true spirit of Eros propelled her to paradise and didn't didn't leave her trapped in the swirls, the turbulence of earthly love, as Francesca was experiencing. This is the role of lovers in our lives it's to foster the question within us as to what's the quality of our loving is it this desire to exploit the beloved to pin all our hopes on the one beloved the romantic myth that there's someone out there who will satisfy all our desire or can we learn how eros can lead us to more and more, and ultimately to the all. So to unpack this a little further, consider some of the lovers that Dante meets in the three parts of his journey towards God, in the Inferno, in the Purgatorio, and in the Paradiso, because they can be understood as investigating love or experiencing love, ...at three broad stages of this journey towards its culmination. First of all, it's worth remarking, stressing again, that Dante would consider the use of Eros to exploit others as the worst kind of sin. He would put paedophiles, for example, with the betrayers in the lowest circles of hell... Frozen in life because not only had they misunderstood their own eros but they had so abused the eros of love of others that it would threaten to destroy the means by which their victims might find their way to God. If eros is so central to our journey to God, to abuse that eros in others is nothing less than to thwart God's longing for us, or at least put that at risk. And that, I think, is the way in which Dante would understand the terrible effects of sexual abuse, but also why it's one of the worst acts that one human can inflict upon another. He meets other figures who have been trapped by Eros in Hell. I mentioned Francesca. But a particularly interesting encounter comes when he meets his teacher, Bruno Latini. Now, this occurs in the circle of Hell that is often described as the circle of the Sodomites. Now, sodomy in Dante's time didn't just mean same-sex loving it could mean loving acts that thwarted the potential for procreation this stems from the augustinian teaching that only the procreation of children redeems the otherwise fallen act of erotic love dante doesn't go along with augustine in that way he was much influenced by thomas aquinas who has a different understanding of love and it is the one in which the goal of love must be properly understood and it seems that this is Bruno's problem. Dante and Bruno interestingly don't talk about sodomy, they don't talk about same-sex love although there's a palpable sense of affection and care between them. Bruno was Dante's teacher and that teaching relationship is one in which Eros is stirred between the teacher and the pupil. To learn is in part to learn how your desire in life can be developed and so find its fulfillment. So what they do talk about is how the goal of their striving was and wasn't thwarted in life. Bruno seems to have misdirected his erotic longing towards his own fame. He wanted to see his own star shine brightly in the sky, rather than understanding that his erotic desire could lead him to the light of lights through all the stars to the ultimate glory. And this is something Dante must understand as well. He is already a very great poet, destined to become an even greater one. And so the erotic propulsion that led him to put all that work into writing poetry must be carefully treated so that it doesn't just desire his own success, his own fame, safeguarding his own reputation but can become a portal, a channel for the desire of God to flow into the world through the poetry. Bruno, I think, gets a sense of that in the Inferno, but struggles to really perceive the light of lights, and so is stuck amidst the falling flames of this part of the Inferno. But Dante, in his conversations with Bruno, does understand how fame can get in the way again this is something that plato understood he in his own discussion of eros talked about how individuals can seek substitutes for the goal of loving they can hope that their memory is passed on through their children they can seek fame in this life they can work to defend their reputation hoping that takes on eternal qualities substitutes for the eternity that love really draws us to. Typically, then, what's going on here for Dante is that he is highlighting a far greater danger, in fact, that gets overlooked when Eros is misunderstood. Those who are worried about their legacy or their reputation as individuals or indeed as institutions are at risk here. That might be something that is far more profoundly at work in the soul than the fixation on sexual acts and that's very illuminating because the church has been accused of being more concerned for its reputation than for the victims of abuse. The church, through not understanding eros, not only doesn't understand how to guide this force in people, but also gets trapped itself by not understanding its institutional eros, its desire to protect its own reputation. I think you can even go so far as to say that those figures within the church that defend the church's reputation are themselves putting their souls at risk through not understanding that which would draw them to God. Dante's exploration of Eros continues through the Purgatory too. These are individuals who are understanding the nature of Eros in their lives. They are able to follow its threads of desire, its fires of longing, but still struggle with it. And what is so striking is that Dante puts on an equal footing same-sex lovers and opposite-sex lovers He sees them together on the terrace on Mount Purgatory, where they're discerning their Eros aright. It's the quality of love that they're understanding, and how, no matter how it was awoken within them in their earthly lives, it's what they do with that awakening that counts. Is it leading them towards God? Which it is. But it's also one of the hardest moments for Dante in the Divine Comedy. Remember that Eros is the supreme energy and force in his own life, awoken early with his love for Beatrice. And he has tried to ride that wave. He's no doubt made mistakes, certainly in terms of his fantasy life, if not actually in sexual acts during his life and to understand the nature of eros is to have those exposed and so he is terrified about entering the flames that would not only purify his love and so enable it to lead him to god but also like the flames enable him to rise into the higher heavens it's one of the most psychologically alive moments ...in the Divine Comedy, which you'll know if you've ever tried to reflect upon your sexual desire... ...or talk about it with another. Shame is never far away, but that shame can be transformed when it's talked about, when it's understood. And so I think another insight that the presence of flames is giving us is that love must combine with light energy must combine with insight. that metaphor, the image of the flame, so wonderfully suggests the light of being able to follow the desire of love to its true goal, to God, with the guides of what's good, beautiful and true. Another way of putting it would be to say that love is not all you need, in fact. You need discernment, you need honesty, you need the tenacity too, the courage to keep with your love and the truth that it's trying to teach you, that becomes manifest in paradise when Dante sees how love fills the whole atmosphere. Interestingly, in paradise, love is not sexualized. The differences between the sexes have disappeared because sexual difference is a manifestation of division and in paradise people know how they're joined, how they're one, because they all share in the one life of God. The love between individual souls that he meets is triangulated because the love between the two is always part and parcel of the love of the third that's present, which is the wellspring, the ground of all Eros, namely God. It's manifest in the abundance of light and love in the paradise. And this is why the people that he meets in paradise celebrate this love so freely. And they're not worried about the taboos that might constrain love on earth because they understand Eros aright. For example, It's very striking that when Dante in the High Heavens meets the Apostles Peter, James and John, they're described as fluttering around each other like lovebirds, they coo like doves, they seem to be married, Dante says, an image that from Earth looks like same-sex marriage, though even to put it like that is to misunderstand, It's to collapse the paradisal vision into an earthly frame rather than seeing that those earthly frames may be necessary on earth have been transcended in paradise. Peter, James and John are free to love and free to celebrate their love. At this point in the paradise Dante himself is asked to speak about faith, hope and love and he does so in a way that makes the whole heavens sing. He too conjoin in this a lot erotic frisson, this delight in love. It reminds me of the images of Desmond Tutu meeting the Dalai Lama. Apart from their joy and laughter, it's striking how they can hardly keep their hands off each other. They want to touch, they want to embrace. Their bodies are anticipating the sharing of love in paradisal life. Free of the constraints of earthly love because their desire, I think, is free to know its true goal, to, to know God. You might say that their loving and their insight, their lives, their virtues, their courage are aflame. And so they offer a wonderful image, something that draws us as it radiates the love that they themselves know, triangulated. In God founded in the love that will guide us and draw us to itself so eros is central and it's a question of how you love not just who you love in hell love is perverted because maybe love itself has been loved maybe fame is what's loved or betrayal exploitation has been loved and so that traps people in purgatory both same and opposite sex lovers though are learning how their passion can lead to god and this is the element that the churches don't seem able to touch though which is understood by the mystics not least dante who see in paradise how eros is fulfilled As Dante puts it in the famous last line of the Divine Comedy, it is the love that moves the sun and the other stars. It fills all of life and we human beings are invited to know how it can fill us too.